You probably know there are all kinds of different movie genres, right? I mean, you've got drama and romance, you've got action, and you've got sci-fi and comedy, and then there's horror movies, right? I do not like horror movies, and it's pretty simple because they scare me. They do exactly what they're supposed to do. Now, I know some of you in here, you love scary movies. You watch them all the time. I don't. In fact, I think the last time I watched a scary movie was about 15 years ago. I was a youth pastor at a church in New Jersey, and I had uh, four boys that I was mentoring over the course of their high school years. And they were out of school. I think they were all juniors. They were, they were out of school one day. I was like, hey, let's go see a movie. And they're like, great, that sounds wonderful. And, and I, I talked to their parents first. I'm like, hey, what movies can they see? And they said, here's what we're okay with. And so we got to the movie theater. It's like, hey, guys, here's the movies we can see. Which one do you want? They said, we all want to go see The Ring. <laughs> I don't like scary movies, Okay. I called all their parents, like, are you okay with it? And everybody was fine. Like, sure, no problem at all. They're with the youth pastor. What can go wrong? So anyway, so we go to this movie. And we're sitting in there, and we're watching the movie. And at the end of the movie, we walk out, and the guy's are like, man, that movie was really, really good. And they looked at me, and they are like, Chad, how did you sleep through the whole movie? I wasn't asleep. I put my elbow on the armrest, took my head, and did just like this. That was about five minutes into the movie. I think about three years ago, I finally got over all the images that I saw from that particular movie. I just don't like scary movies because they do exactly what they're supposed to do. They scare you. Now, you may be asking yourself, what does that have to do with Jesus and the church? I'm getting to that. Here we go. Today, we continue this series called H2O, as Gary was saying a little bit earlier. And we're looking at these moments and events in Jesus' life that are all about Jesus, and there's also water that's connected to them. And so today, we're going to look at the story, this event in Jesus' life that we find in the book of Matthew, and it's about a ghost, all right? And it's about fear, but it's about Jesus being present in everything that's happening. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14 is where we're going to spend all of our time this morning. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the seats in front of you. Feel free to grab one of those. Uh, we're going to put it up here on the screen. You can follow along on your Journey Church app. And by the way, we invite you to download that. Uh, you can keep up with the calendar. You can do all your sign-up stuff through that. You can give through that. There's a Bible on there. I mean, all kinds of different things. So we hope you'll download that and use that quite frequently. Uh, and then you can grab your program and you can take notes this morning. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. Here's where it begins. Matthew 14, starting with 22. It says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about this first miracle Jesus does, turning the water into wine. And we said, why would you start there? Like, that's not that big of a miracle, right? Well, a miracle that we would have probably have chosen to start Jesus' ministry happens right before this moment. He feeds the 5,000 plus. That was just men. So there's probably like 10,000 people that were there. And so they're on this hillside. He feeds thousands and thousands of people just a few bread pieces of bread a few pieces of fish that's it it's this incredible incredible miracle right there on the sea of galilee now the sea of galilee itself is uh, not extremely big it's probably about the size of washington dc of course with with much better traffic um, but it's not a, a big lake at all it's a freshwater lake that is there but as we see this what does jesus do this miracle finishes up right before this right and it says, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get in his boat and take off. That, that word made there is actually a very strong word in the Greek. It's like he forces them to get in the boat and to take off. 
reason's pretty simple. If we go forward to the book of John, we read the same event, and we read the, the story that John tells. And John says at the very end here, what we find is the people start to go to Jesus like, hey, we want you to be our earthly king. We want you to be the king of Israel. And so they're pushing Jesus to take this next step to be this earthly king. Jesus knows his disciples are thinking the same thing. Like he's here to be this earthly king. And so what do they do? They, they, they're kind of wondering that same thing like, hey, maybe this is the moment. And Jesus is like, get in the boat now. We're leaving. In fact, you guys leave. Head out of here. I'm going to stay here. Get away. So Jesus is actually protecting his disciples in this moment. He makes them get into this boat and go off. Verse 23. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. A better reading here is Jesus fled into the hills. He's trying to get away from the crazy people, right? He's trying to get away, and he does what Jesus loves to do. We find this frequently. He gets away alone. He gets away alone to be with God and to pray. He's like, those people are crazy. And I think part of it is that I don't want to get caught up in that mess too. And so Jesus goes away to pray and to be alone. Verse 24. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. A better translation here is that they are in the middle of the sea. Like, like they, they've, they've been rowing for quite some time. And, and here they are. They're, they're not close to shore. The storm is coming up. The winds are blowing. And, and the Sea of Galilee is known for this. I've never been there before. My dad went uh, quite a few years ago. Uh, he was uh, in Israel for a couple of weeks. And they spent quite a few days around the Sea of Galilee. And he said, what you read is true. He said, these storms pop up in an instant. It could be a beautiful, wonderful day, and then all of a sudden, boom, the storm comes in, and, and there's rough winds, and, and it's all about the topography that, of that area there. Um, but it just hits in, in a moment's notice, and these storms can, can actually be pretty powerful. They, they even recently had storms there where the, the, the swells of the waves were about 10 feet tall. Uh, do you remember reading a couple weeks ago about this Viking Sky cruise ship? Maybe you saw the video from it, the images. 1,300 passengers on this big cruise liner, right? And um, the engine stopped working in the middle of the storm. And I found out this week it was because of an oil level. Like, Johnny, you had one job. Check the oil. <laughs> Johnny is not employed today because he didn't do his one job. And so you see these images, and, and they're watching. The, the boat is it's tossed back and forth, and you see all the furniture go from one side to the other side. I mean, that's a big old boat, right? And this big old storm. These guys are in a fishing boat, and this big storm comes about. These winds are blowing. These swells are there. These were not big boats at all. Back in 1986, an archaeologist actually found one of the fishing boats. It dates back to 40 B.C. I think we have the image of what one of these would have looked like. <laughs> this is what's left of it after a, a few thousand years. Uh, but these boats were about 28 feet long and about 8 feet wide. That's a lot different than a cruise liner, right? And so imagine the disciples in this boat, in this windstorm that's hitting, and they're not going anywhere. They're not able to move. And so they're stuck there in the storm. Verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. So here's Jesus walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. These disciples had left the land a little bit after dinner time. Uh, based on what we know in the story, this is about 3 to 6 a.m. They've been rowing a long, long time. Now, the other side was only about eight miles away, so it shouldn't have taken them this long. They're stuck. 
And I'm sure they're tired and they're worn out and they're emotionally drained. They're hangry. I mean, anything you could think of, I'm sure they're feeling in this moment. It's just like being a parent with small children, right? All those kind of emotions that are there. And they look out, what do they see? They see something walking on the water toward them. And so they yell out, ghost. They're afraid of what they see. Here's the horror story part. Then we go to verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. They yell out, ghost. They see this image and it says immediately, Jesus says, hey, 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 guys. (laughs) It's okay. It's me. They hear this familiar voice. In fact, Jesus says, it is I. It's interesting he uses that phrase because it actually connects very well and is very similar to what God says in the Old Testament. God says, my name is I am. And so the Israelites know God by I am. Here's Jesus who's saying, it is I. There's this connection there. It's like in this moment, Jesus is saying, I'm not who you think I am. I'm not actually this earthly king that you want me to be. I'm a heavenly king. I'm much bigger than that. He basically is saying, I am, I am in this moment. And so he expresses his divinity to his disciples as he calls out to them. It's like, hey, guys, it's going to be okay. Verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. If you know much about Peter, this is normal Peter. Uh, kind of the show off, a little bit of bravery, a little bit of faith there. Everything's kind of there. But, but whatever it is, it sounds like he actually gets out of the boat, right? And he begins to walk on water. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Peter walks on the water. We don't know how long he walks on the water. We don't know how far he, he walks on the water. Do we really care? What we find is that Peter actually walks on the water. And then he begins to sink. And the reason is pretty simple. He, he takes his eyes off of Jesus. He, he loses his gaze onto Jesus. Notice what it says. It says, when he saw the wind. It doesn't say when he heard the wind, right? He doesn't hear the wind as he's looking at Jesus and then starts to sink. No, it says he sees the wind. And so he's looking at Jesus as he's walking on the water. And then all of a sudden he starts to notice the white caps and the big rolling waves and the swells and the boat that he was on is moving and rocking back and forth. And he sees all this stuff and then he loses focus on Jesus, looks at his surroundings. And that is the moment that Peter begins to sink and to drown. Verse 31 Here's this word we've seen two other times before this. Immediately, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and called him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Jesus does what Jesus does. He saves Peter's life. As I'm reading through this this past week, I'm thinking to myself, But Peter's a fisherman, right? Which means Peter didn't get this job because he didn't know how to swim. (laughs) It's like he knows how to swim. I mean, it's his dad's company, but he knows how to swim. He understands how how to swim. He, He gets it. He's probably a great swimmer. And yet here he is beginning to drown, which tells me the storm around them is pretty powerful. He cries out, and Jesus reaches down immediately, pulls him out, and saves his life. 
And once they both get into the water or to the boat, the waves subside, the wind quits blowing, the storm goes away, and everyone is fine. And they begin to worship Christ right there in that moment. As I look at this story, and as I've read over it the past few weeks, there's this pattern that I see that is so similar to, to, I think, the pattern that you and I have in our life every single day. Here's how this pattern begins. Life happens, right? Life happens. Life starts. And, you know, here we have Jesus who takes these guys and he puts them in the boat. He's like, get out of here, go. And so they go into the water. It's kind of like our parents or you as parents, like, hey, get out of this house, right? You're, you're done. You're 42. Go get a life for yourself. <laughs> Whatever it takes, I'm done with you. I fed you long enough. And so we, we send our, our kids or our, our parents send us out to the world. And then life happens. We experience life. But then here's what we find next. Storms always pop up. It doesn't make any difference who you are. Storms always pop up. Sometimes people like to think that if you're a follower of Christ, storms don't come. I would tell you, if you're a follower of Christ, sometimes the storms are worse than other people may face. See, these storms, they always pop up in our life. We have storms in relationships, in marriage, in dating, friendships with our parents, with our kids. These storms, they're there. But we have storms in our finances, the loss of an income, the loss of a job, bankruptcy. We have storms at work with the people you work with, maybe with your boss, maybe with the people that you, you lead on the team that you're a part of. We have storms when it comes to our physical health. You know, that diagnosis comes in, that test result comes back that we weren't expecting. Or, or maybe you've struggled trying to get pregnant for so many years and, and that storm is still there. But we, ha- we have storms in our physical life. We have storms mentally. We, we struggle with anxiety and, and depression or suicidal thoughts. We have storms when it comes to who we are spiritually. Those temptations that are there, those desires we can't seem to, to let go of. Look, if we're honest, every single one of us in this room have experienced these storms or are experiencing them right now or will in the future. Because no matter what, life's going to happen and storms, they will always pop up. Now, for some of us, those storms, they linger for a long, long time. And we feel like the rain and the wind, it's just unending. It just doesn't ever end. And for others of us, a storm will pop up and then another storm will hit and they'll just keep hitting. seems like all in a row. But that's life. Life happens and these storms come up in life. But here's what we find next is those storms, they bring fear. Storms bring fear. Back in 2014, I believe it was, um, our family was going on vacation to the Outer Banks. And I may have shared this a long time ago. But um, we, uh, we knew there was a tropical depression just on the southeast coast of the United States. And so we were prepared for that. You know, as most of those storms do, they come up the coastline. And so we knew we were going to get some rain and a little bit of wind. It wasn't going to be that big a deal. So we decided, hey, we're going to go on and go to the beach. Well, uh, that, that little tropical depression actually strengthened quite a bit and became uh, Hurricane Arthur. And uh, it was about the middle of the week. I think it was around Monday. We knew a Category 1 storm was coming. The forecaster was like, hey, not that big a deal. It's not going to be bad. Uh, it's just going to come up, hit the coast, a lot of rain, a little bit of wind. Everybody's going to be fine. And so I'm calling my parents. Or actually, my parents are calling me. My mom's calling me. And mom's like, get my grandkids out of there now. <laughs> what about Kara and I? I don't care. Get my grandkids out. <laughs> and so we're like, no, we're going to stay here. Cat 1, we're, we're good to go. Now, it was just one of those special weeks that we had. We actually were staying right on the beach there in, in Ducks. It was beautiful to watch, but we knew the storm was coming. 
Well, the day before, and the forecasters are like, yeah, it's kind of gotten a little bit uh, stronger. So it's actually going to be a cat two when it hits the outer banks here. We weren't quite prepared for that. My mom's power calling me. I'm not answering the phone anymore. I'm like, I'm not going to talk to you. So we talked about it. And again, we were some family f- friends there and members. And we were like, hey, we're going to stay here. This, this house is kind of built for this. It had all the hurricane shutters and windows and all that kind of stuff. Everything's going to be fine. It sounds great until about 1.15 in the morning, the rain and the winds start to hit the house. And, uh, man, it is just power blowing on the house. And, and I'm up with uh, one of my friends, and we're watching water coming through the windows and through the doors. And I'm like, what, what are we doing? We should have gotten out of here. And fear started to set in because I knew this wasn't going to be like a quick little storm. It was going to last 30 minutes. This is going to be hours and hours of this. And at the end of that, we said, we're never going to do this again, all right? Next time, we're going we're to go home. Because that's what storms do, right? Storms bring fear. Maybe you've been in a physical weather storm before, and it, it brought fear to you in those moments. In life, when we have those storms that come around, they bring fear. And the fear is the outcome. What's the outcome of this going to be? How's this going to affect my marriage? What's going to take place with my finances and work? What's going to happen to me physically or emotionally mentally spiritually and so the fear that we have is about the outcome how bad could this get because that's what storms do storms bring fear but i want you to notice who shows up in that storm jesus and jesus brings relief jesus brings relief right here in in this moment and and it was just those words that he said hey guys it's me i'm here it's gonna be okay now, that's hard for us sometimes to hold on to, isn't it? Some of us, we, we've experienced that before in our lives, though. We, we've had those storms, and, and the wind's blowing hard, and, and the rain's coming down, and we can't seem to move out of the place that we're in. We're kind of stuck. And yet Jesus shows up and brings the relief that we need. I've shared this many times here before. Um, for Kara and I, our first child was stillborn seven and a half months into the pregnancy, and the storm that, that that brought was, it wasn't just a little summer storm. It was a hurricane that hit us. And, and what we went through and the pain and, and the anguish and the hurt that was there, for me, a lot of doubt towards God, man, it, it, was, it was horrible. But, but, but through it all, the one thing that kept us moving forward was, was Jesus Christ. It was like the only thing that brought relief to Kara and I. To, to know that's the one thing we had to hold on to through this storm. And, and I know that there are people in here, you've maybe experienced the same type of thing. Or, or you've had those storms in your life. And you've only made it through it because of one thing. Because Jesus brought relief to you in those moments. That doesn't mean it happened right then and there. It probably took a long time. It's taken us years to get beyond that. But that's what Jesus does. Jesus brings that relief. Now, I also know that some of you in this room today, you've had those storms but you have a lot of doubt, too, because you've looked at Jesus, and you're like, but this happened, Jesus, and, and where were you? I mean, it's like you didn't show up. You didn't care. You didn't take care of this the way that I wanted you to. And so you have a lot of doubt. You, you struggle with that and the power that Christ has to, to be able to take care of those storms, to calm those storms. Listen, it is safe for you to ask those questions. It is okay for you to ask those questions. It, it's, it's great that you have that doubt, but here's my question. How are you dealing with that? Now, I want you to also know, if you have that kind of doubt, the journey is a safe place for you. 
This is not a place where we're going to judge you because you doubt certain things or you doubt the whole God thing or the Jesus thing. This is a safe place for you to be, that you can ask those questions. We, we want to do everything we can to help you take those next steps towards Jesus. And, and maybe you're right down here at the bottom like, man, I got this big pile of doubt. What do I do with it? So this is a safe place for you to do that. But I also want you to know, or my question is, how do you deal with the storms in life? Karen and I go back quite frequently, probably about every year, uh, the birthday, what would have been the birthday of our, our firstborn child. And, and we talk about the only way we made it through it was because of Jesus. How do people deal with those storms when they don't have that? And so how do you deal with those storms? What do you do? What steps do you take? More than likely, we don't take healthy steps when Christ isn't a part of that. Jesus shows up in the storms like, hey, I'm here to bring relief. And I truly believe Jesus does the same thing for us when the storms hit in our life. Jesus brings relief. When we experience that relief, it's amazing how our faith grows stronger, right? What does Peter do? Peter's like, it's Jesus. Can I get out of the boat and walk on water? And Jesus like, sure, come on. And Peter's weird. He jumps out of the boat and starts walking on water, right? His faith is that strong in that moment. There's this power that he senses in Christ, and his faith is so strong, he, he walks on water. I think for some of us, we experience that relief that Christ gives us in the storms of life, and we could walk on water too. Because our faith has become so strong. We're like, man, look what I can do. Look what I'm able to accomplish. And I'm afraid sometimes, though, that's when our ego starts to get in the way. Because we experience this moment where we're just kind of, we feel saved, right? We, we, we feel like we're in this healthy place. We've been, we've been relieved by Jesus. And our faith goes stronger. But I'm afraid what we see then, if we're not careful, is that fear creeps back in. Isn't that what happened to Peter? Uh, Peter jumps out of, the water, out of the boat and goes on the water and starts to walk. Again, I, I can't even fathom what that was like, and yet he's able to do that. But fear crept back in. He began to notice everything that was happening around him. He turned his eyes off of Jesus. Because when he got in the water, he was looking at Jesus. He was walking towards Jesus. Then he sees the impact of the wind and the storm. And he's looking around, and he loses that gaze on Jesus. And that's the moment he begins to sink. That's the moment he begins to drown. Why? Well, it's because his fear crept back in. But if you look at the story, where's Jesus? He's still right there. Jesus is still there. Jesus didn't go anywhere, even though Peter wasn't looking at him in, anymore. And, and it says that as Peter yelled out, help me, Jesus isn't like, nah, I'm just going to see what happens here, Peter. I'm going to see how far you sink. I'm going to see if you can swim out of this, buddy. No, it says immediately Jesus reaches down, grabs Peter, and pulls him out and puts him into the boat. You see, in this moment, Jesus is still there. Jesus still reaches down and saves Peter. And again, I love it because it says here in Matthew, immediately Jesus did this. Didn't wait, did it in that moment. I think for those of us who are followers of Christ, this is kind of the, the pattern that we have within our life. The storms come, we find that relief through Christ, 
we get a little egotistical and what's happening because we kind of feel like, hey, I'm kind of doing this. And we, we fear creeps back in and we, we start to drown and then we cry out to Christ again. And, and every time we do that, it's crazy to me. Jesus is always still there. He didn't go anywhere. So the question is, why do we keep taking our gaze and our eyes off of Jesus? I mean, there are distractions all around us, right? I mean, work calls or, you know, this, this issue within your, your bigger family keeps coming up about the past. And, and those temptations, they, they never seem to go away. And, and, and yet we, we have these distractions. And Jesus is like, here's what I need you to do. Keep your eyes on me. The storms, they're always going to happen. They're always going to be there. Those, those distractions, they're, they're always going to show up. Don't, don't turn your head. J- just look at me. Now, that doesn't mean these distractions and storms aren't going to go away, or they are going to go away. No, it just means that, that we're focused with our gaze on Jesus. I have three questions from this passage today that I think are important to help us move through those storms when they, they come up in, in our life. And so we can keep our eyes on Jesus. Here are those three questions. The first one is, what storms are brewing in your life? Look, some of us already are, we're in the midst of those storms right now. We're experiencing them right now at this moment. Uh, others of us, we, we know they're coming because of things that have happened. And, and we know they're, they're heading on the way. Some of these are unexpected. They're just going to pop up. They're going to show up. So my question is, do you know what those storms are? What storms are brewing in your life? Which leads us to the second question. When storms hit, what will you do? Will you fall into the same patterns? Because that's what we like to do. We are people that are full of patterns. Will we fall into the same patterns? Will we give in to those unhealthy desires and those temptations and those words that we continue to say? Will we, will we take our eyes off of Jesus? Or will we stay focused on Christ? Will we let Jesus lead us through those storms in life? Even though the waves are crashing, we can see the white caps, the wind is blowing, the rain is pelting us. Can we stay focused on Jesus? Which leads to the third question. What can keep us from drowning? I love what Jesus tells Peter here. He says, why you have little faith, why did you doubt? And yeah, we talk about this story, this event here. What do we talk about? The faith of Peter. Man, he got out and walked on the water. This is incredible. And yet Jesus says, no, you're still full of doubt. Why? He's like, Peter, all you had to do was keep your eyes on me, and everything would have been fine. When you and I look at these storms, what is it that can keep us from drowning? Well, I think Jesus says, it's only one thing, it's me. And the only thing I need you to do is keep your eyes on me, and if you do this, I will lead you through the storms of life. I I will help your, your faith grow stronger. And I will lead you to the relief and safety that you need. Again, it doesn't mean that storm is going to go away. But it, but it means there's this bond and this connection with Christ who our eyes are fixed on that will lead us ahead. I think these questions are important for us to ask. And, and then I think there's maybe some next steps that you and I can take. The first one may be for some of us baptism. We've been talking about this throughout this series and it's kind of neat. We've, we've got four people right now who are saying, hey, on Easter Sunday, we want to be baptized. We want to take this step. Maybe this is where you are. Maybe you're in the midst of these storms. You've experienced these storms. You've got this doubt. But you're like, i got to take this next step. I, I, I need to be all in. 
And so baptism is that step that we take of being all in, saying, hey, I am moving forward. I want Jesus to lead me through, through the storms. And it's kind of that image, really, if you think about it here at the end of the story where, where, where Peter's like, help me. And he begins to drown, okay? Which means he's going underneath the water. Maybe he's under there. And what does Jesus do? He, he reaches down and he, he pulls him up. Kind of the same image as, as what happens in baptism. We, we go underneath that water. We come back up. And, and it's like we're saying, hey, Jesus, help me. Save me. Relieve me. Lead me through the storms. If that's where you are, we'd love for you to fill out that connection card. And right on there it says, uh, I want to be baptized. Just mark that. We'll contact you this week. We'll have that conversation. does not mean you have to be baptized. But we'd love to have you take that step. Because that's the place some of us are. For others of us in here, we need to send an SOS. Because that's where we are. We're in the storm and we're drowning and we're scared and we're fearful. And we don't know what to do. And maybe you're a follower of Christ, and maybe you're not, but these storms are all around. What do I do? Find a mentor. Find somebody to help lead you. We talk about counseling all the time here at The Journey. We'd love to connect you with Safe Harbor Christian Counseling. It's a part of a relationship we have with them. We'd love to get you involved with that so you can say, this is the storm in my life. Can you give me wisdom of moving forward? And so maybe that's the place you're at. And if that's what you need, again, fill out that card or and just put it in our offering baskets at the end of our time today. We'd love to get you connected with them. But maybe for some of us, we just need to send out an SOS. And then I think there's others of us in here. We're, we're followers of Christ, and we, we struggle with our faith, though. And again, that's normal. That's part of our faith journey, our spiritual journey. We just got to turn our gaze back onto Jesus and, and keep that focus on, on Christ and let Jesus lead us through the storms. Look, those storms aren't going away. They're not going to go away. They're not going to disappear. They're going to keep coming in life. I mean, the question is, are we able to work through them and to deal with them and to not drown in the way that we're intended to? And the only way we can do that is through Jesus. Are you and I, are we willing to allow Christ to lead us through the storms of life? And with maybe the little bit of faith we have to guide us through that so that we, like Peter, can be saved too. That's why I love our communion time. It is the moment that we turn our eyes toward Jesus. It is the moment that, that we focus every single week on who Christ is. It's a, it's a moment for, for many of us is that we're reminded that we do have storms in our life. And yet there is someone, Jesus, who can lead us through those storms, who, who can take us to safety. But we have to be willing to keep our gaze and our eyes on Christ.